Better Call Saul podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is my proctologist, Dave. Dave, how's it going today? Pretty shitty. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my notebook. Because it's, it's like proctology, and, and, and then it's like a play on words, and that's, that's yeah, why it's we, funny. <laughs> it, in the industry, we call that a pun. Yes. Uh-huh. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. No, but I, well, wasn't, well, I, I wasn't lying. I uh, We're getting ready to do this, and... You know, we mentioned before we have advanced screenings of the episodes, mm-hmm. and I lost my notes for this episode, and we have exceeded our maximum views of the pre-screens for this episode. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. So, uh, folks, uh, those of you out there, we're, we're hoping that uh, whatever we get wrong or don't remember correctly, please chime in. We have a lot of great audience participation, as is. And Dave, a lot of people really liking last week's interview with Kyle Bornheimer. That's awesome, because it was uh, I, I myself really liked our interview with Kyle Bornheimer. Absolutely. And then if you haven't heard any of our other interviews with the cast of Better Call Saul, please check out itsallgoodmen.com and check out Dave and I's other show, Nothing Important Podcast, at nothingimportantpodcast.com, where we talk to other celebrities and people more famous than Dave and I ever will be. But why we are here right now and why we are on the microphones is because we are talking about episode two of season two. A Better Call Saul, episode titled Cobbler. You ready to go, Dave? Let us commence analysis. <laughs> or whatever it is that we do here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> here we go. So as the show is opening up, Chuck is at his piano, and he's playing with the metronome on his uh, piano. He is playing Sicilian. I think that's how it's pronounced. Sicilian? Sicilian? I don't know. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Uh, not a lot going on in the scene other than uh, one, it's a kick-ass, um, it's a kick-ass uh, piece of music. And uh, knowing Michael McKean, uh, for those of you who don't know, he's a very, very musically inclined person. And I'd bet dollar to donuts that's actually him playing the piano in that scene. Metaphor alert. Metronome. What? Time keeps ticking. You can't stop time. And you can't control time. Ding! Oh man, that's awesome! You know, uh, in post, add like a bell there, like a like a death bell, like ding. So every time <laughs> we have a metaphor, we'll add it in. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it was just kind of a quiet opener, not really too eventful, nothing going on, just kind of setting the mood. You just see Chuck kind of contemplating, maybe winding down from uh, whatever Chuck has going on in his yeah. life, being all crazy and allergic to electricity. But he does hit a sour note two or three times and kind of gets frustrated and restarts. Right. Uh, then we hear a knock on the door and it's a uh, good old Howard Hamlin delivering the food, just like Jimmy <laughs> used to do before the blew up, the blow up in uh, season one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He said that he gave the other guy the day off that had been helping him and wanted to stop in personally. Right. Yeah. Couple, couple notable things in the conversation there. Um, how he says that it's been a while. So, uh, you know, they, uh, apparently have not had a lot of contact in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was uh, weird, too, is how he asked Chuck. He says, oh, did I hear music? And Chuck just kind of blows him off. Yeah, yeah, like kind of It wasn't odd. like any exp- 
Yeah, it wasn't like he was given an explanation or anything. He was just like, oh, yeah, that's a, you know, one of those things. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like it was weird. Like, why would he want to? Why would he want to hide that? Is that like a talent that like he doesn't want people to know, or is he just kind of in the mood where he doesn't want to talk about anything? Because Sicilian is is kind of a kind of a heavy piece of music. Like maybe uh, maybe it's to show in his state of mind and where he's at with the way that everything developed over the. Uh, over, uh, you know, uh, the events that we saw at the end of season one. And then Chuck uh, announces that he's going back uh, back to the firm. Yeah, he's going to put on the uh, line suit with the space blanket. Right. <laughs> with the space blanket. Uh, and that's, that's great. You know, Howard is just kind of like, well, let me know when you're going to be there. And they kind of make a small talk. And uh, he says that, uh, Howard Davis and Maine is actually pulling their weight in the case, and this prompts Chuck to ask about Jimmy. Right, because I'm and sure how, he assumes that Jimmy won't be pulling his weight. Right, yeah, like he just kind of expects him to be slacking off and, and sucking it up. And then Howie tells uh, Chuck that uh, Jimmy is actually working at Davis and Maine, and that they're giving Jimmy a chance, and that uh, all the Sandpiper residents actually love good old Jimmy McGill. Did Chuck not know Jimmy was working at Davis and Maine before Howard told him? I don't think I don't think he knew that he was working at Davis and Maine. I think he, you know, wow. the the way that it played out is, you know, he he said that Davis and Maine total as a company they were pulling their weight on their end of the case. Chuck asked if Chuck asked about Jimmy and uh, you know, how he tells Chuck that he actually works for Davis and Maine. So no, he must he must not have had any clue. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then because uh, Chuck was kind of taken aback by that, and then how he says, "Yeah, they're giving Jimmy a chance," and uh, the Sandpiper residents really love Jimmy. But the thing is, Chuck asks if Davis and Maine is aware of uh, Jimmy's background, so it's like he's like in a little bit of disbelief that somebody would actually hire his brother because his brother uh, doesn't isn't quite up to snuff in Chuck's eyes. Well, yeah, he's not a real lawyer. I mean, American Samoa, you know. Right, yeah, and then it has like this weird moment where you can kind of see Chuck deep in thought, and he, he just kind of says good for Jimmy, but not like not like in a really enthusiastic or happy way, right. and not really in a sarcastic way. It was kind of like a, huh, I'll like be a, damned kind of thing. A, like a contemplative way. Yeah, total, and, and you know, Howard is just like, oh, that, you know, that's why I call him Charlie Hustle, <laughs> but... <laughs> But what I got about that is, um, you know, the way that things ended with the first season and like just from this little scene, uh, you know, a lot of people have made the prediction that there's going to be some sort of conflict between Chuck and Jimmy. And now not only, you know, now Jimmy is kind of making him look like a fool because everything's out in the open of what Chuck has been doing to him and sabotaging his career. And now Jimmy is succeeding in spite of Chuck kind of making Chuck look like a chump. Maybe Chuck doesn't know what he's talking about if he didn't see any future for Jimmy. And now all of a sudden he's he's like being awesome at this uh at this case for Davis and Maine. Well, sometimes the best revenge is living well. Yeah. You know, you don't need to like say what you're doing, just go and do it and let other people notice and then the truth comes out. Right. Absolutely. So then we kind of see like, you know, that that look on uh on Chuck's face, and he just kind of sits back at the table, discombobulated, and uh, starts playing the piano again, but this time the metronome stops. And he's way off. He's just... And he's... Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the the opening, the white Cadillac with the lawyer up license plate. Now, we talked about that. Didn't that happen in episode two of the first season as well? Yeah, I actually went and verified, and so far, both episodes have matched up 
their intros uh, season to season, respectively. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. So so then uh, so then I'm sure somebody out there can make a pretty good prediction of what episode three's opener is going to be. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say right now it's uh, the ash, the cigarette ash, and the uh, I think it's a justice scale. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, which we'll is find a metaphor out, uh, in itself, people. Ding. <laughs> well, we'll find out in seven short days. Uh, <laughs> then uh, commercial break, and then we're at the boardroom. And uh, it looks like Kim is the first to arrive, and she moves her assigned seat right next to Jimmy so they can sit together. How sweet. So high school. So high school, That's right? That's so like, fresh relationship, you know? <laughs> right? And then it cuts to where everybody is actually in the boardroom, and they start playing footsies underneath the table. Mm, affection. It's nice. Mm, look at that. Snuggling <laughs> while they read the case details. Mm. <laughs> and no one's the wiser. Yep. So, you know, it's just setting up their relationship going forward because the relationship has kind of turned the corner, right? Like they went from like kind of flirty and close to now like they're, they're like an actual item, like, like between, the, or at least will in they their or mind, won't there's they, something. The will they or won't they definitely is leaning towards the, they have. Right. Absolutely. They're, they're definitely, um, there's something. Yes. <laughs> like maybe not, maybe not like oh, out in the open dating, but but they are something. I found that significant. The whole thing about her coming into the room and rearranging the seats was very significant to me because you didn't know really what was going on last episode. Mm. Like now it confirms. Right, it can- yeah, she's into this too as much as he is. Right. Yep. Okay. Good point. Uh, so then it cuts to them outside. They're sharing a cigarette as they're want to do. And uh, then they kind of start discussing um, kind of where they're at and like living arrangements, which was uh, kind of kind of moving quickly, right? They talk about buying a grill and barbecuing every night. And I guess Davis and Mean is uh, is their office is out in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Right. Yeah. So and I, it has that whole like the whole thing where it's like you start off joking about it, and then somebody drops the we. And then you kind of realize that somebody in the situation is starting to take it pretty seriously, and the, the tone gets a little more like serious about it. Mm-hmm. Isn't yeah, that what happened? Like she's the one that initiated, and then we could do this. Right? Yeah, they could they could barbecue every night, and they were talking about where would he live then? Because if she's stationed in Albuquerque, and he's out in Santa Fe, he, he says, I don't know, I could probably buy a house in Corrales. And then they start talking about having horses, and he talks about how he. Uh, he doesn't like horses. They're uh, they're too expensive because of the oats and the horseshoes. He's just not a fan of horses. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's all the poop this, personally. But what's that? I think it's all the poop personally. Oh yeah, that, that, without a doubt, that's that, that's an implied part of that. Uh, I think he also talks about some of the benefits that he has too, such as like a, like a company car. She kind of seemed a little bit jealous of the company car. She was like, wow, that's a good perk. I want to apologize for my inadvertent spoiler, spoiler last week. Um, I let something slip, and then uh, Brian actually went and fixed it about four hours after upload. So if you're one of the first uploaders, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, a small, a small apology from us. Uh, what happened was is Dave and I – uh, we, we saw the episodes long enough ago that, that they kind of ran together a little bit for us before we could rewatch them. And, uh, and so if you were like the first, like few thousand people to listen to our podcast <laughs> last week, you heard, uh, you heard about Jimmy getting, you know, you heard about 30 seconds of, uh, Jimmy getting his new car. So then I had to pull it down and I had to edit it at four o'clock in the morning and re-upload it. So 
if any of you were uh, affected by that, uh, we completely apologize. That's right. Uh, my, my bad. Yeah. So this next part of the conversation is not deja vu. So then we see Jimmy heading to the salon to get his company car, which is getting dropped off. And what is happening to his esteem, Dave? They are towing away his esteem. He is giving it up <laughs> for Flash. Ding! <laughs> which was which was a better joke last week when we put it on the podcast and we weren't supposed to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kim, still jealous. The uh, owner of the nail salon, still unimpressed. And uh, Kim gives Jimmy a world's second greatest lawyer mug. Mm. Yeah, fits in the cup holder, which is a nice touch. <laughs> Because we all know Chuck's number one. Right. And again, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, as I, just as I said last week, I love that all the nail salon workers are impressed, except for the owner. She is completely, completely not impressed. That is such, an, uh, that's such a fun love-hate relationship. I wish it could keep right. going. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe it will. Remember, we're not Saul Goodman yet. There could be a lot of going back and forth. This is true. I mean, they may come into some legal issues. Yep, absolutely. And uh, one kind of, I don't know if it's foreshadowing, but it seemed like it's kind of uh, is kind of a little bit in your face, is his new cup doesn't fit in the cup holder. What do you think Did that you notice means? that? What do you think that means, Brian? Maybe that Jimmy doesn't fit into his new role. Maybe he's, maybe, you know, like maybe his role isn't cut out or fit for him. Hey, metaphor. Yeah. Right? Ding. Yeah, man, see, we need that ding. <laughs> Just do Why, that. What do you think Just that? Ding. <laughs> what, what, what do you think that means, Dave? Uh, I think it means he's too big for his britches. Yeah, see, that's that's the thing. Once again, about this show is like the small details all seem like they could definitely mean something, but it's quite possible that they don't at all. But, uh, you know, I think that's definitely, like you said, a metaphor, you know, like he... World's second greatest lawyer. He's he's just not ready for the big time, or he's just not a fit for that lifestyle. Yeah, he might be in over his head a little bit, mm-hmm. or yeah. or his personality is bigger than this job requires of him. You can go either way with that. Yeah. Yep. We go uh, into commercial. We come out from commercial. We're at the courthouse, and we see Mike in his shack, which uh, I think I brought this up a couple times last year. No matter what time of day it is, Mike is in his shack. I don't. I think he lives in the shack. No, it's just they're only going to show him when he's working, and if he's some on some kind of swing shift, then he'll be there at different times ah, of the day. I forgot. I forgot about the swing shift. <laughs> so, <laughs> so our good friend uh, uh, Warmald shows up in the pussy wagon uh, to speak with the police <laughs> about his missing baseball cards, and Fucking Mike idiot. is. Yeah, that's pretty much. Mike gives him a look exactly like, you fucking moron. Like, how do you fall for that? <laughs> he simply asks him, why are you here? And Wormall, because he knows a little bit more than Mike, of course. You know, he just says he's the, his business uh, with the police over the baseball card robbery. And uh, Mike just flat out says, dude, that's a bad idea to come speak to the police. And uh, Wormall thinks he knows he knows better. Thinks, <laughs> thinks like he knows how it's going to go down, right? He just so, wants you know, those cards I, back. He he just he just wants those cards back. Right, yeah, man. Like and and it's it's funny to see like uh you know, like the the character so stuck on such like a, a seemingly minor minor uh 
minor keepsake that he would <laughs> he would risk destroying his entire current life well, to regain. Yeah, I was gonna say that totally shows like you know who he is as a character. Like that's more important. He can't accept the fact that he's a criminal, even though he's doing criminal activities, and Mike keeps trying mm-hmm. to prove that to him. And he's just like he's so myopic about I need to get my cards back because that's just the most important thing in the world to him at this point. Right. Absolutely. You know, and uh, Mike, you know, Mike tells him, you know, he was invited on a fishing trip. He's under suspicion and they're going to lure him into a false sense of security, you know, with uh, sweet talk. And uh, and then once they finally get him sweating, you know, he, they're going to break him. Right. <laughs> and yeah. uh, as someone who has had property stolen in Albuquerque, um, just you're not getting it back legally. You're not. Well, Wormald says he's determined to get it back because some of those cards were his father's. That's right. Sentimental value. Aw. Sentimental value. (laughs) So, uh, we're back at Saul's office. He's going over the residency agreements, and uh, it's kind of quiet in the office, and it's kind of getting later in the day. So, he he takes a walk around the office just to collect his thoughts. And he hears Ed Bagley Jr. playing the guitar. Yeah, he gets a little curious about... What kind of fancy place is this? You got some live music going on, but no, it's the boss. Right, absolutely. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed the conversation there because Jimmy kind of sheepishly kind of sheepishly approaches them. And, you know, uh, Ed Bagley Jr. is all, uh, you know, like, hey, is everything going okay? And, you know, uh, Jimmy's like, well, you know, this is actually quite a, quite a step up for me. Yeah, it's a good feeling out scene. They're feeling each other out. Uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy's got a lot of trepidation about where he's at and how he's being perceived and he gets put right. at ease. Right. And he kind of, you know, throws out there what he's been working on because I feel like he kind of wants to prove himself, right? And he says, you know, the optional allowance uh, program, uh, no one was really able to option out of it. So if it's if it's really not optional, it's a requirement and blah, 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 then that helps their case versus uh, versus the nursing home. Right, and didn't he? He kind of brings it up sheepishly, like, "Oh, like by the way, you know, like he wasn't going to do it at right. first, like, like he wasn't sure if he'd be called a dumbass for bringing it up, you know." Right, but and, he did, and then and it's he did. working out for him. Yeah, Ed Bagley Jr. replies, "Nice work, Jimmy." And then there was this kind of a moment there where where Jimmy was like, "Finally, some validation." Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like it was like all the recognition or whatever that he wanted from his brother. It was finally given to him. You know, like he like he feels like, hey man, I really am a lawyer, regardless of what Chuck says. I am a lawyer. Mm, father figure, I like it. Mm, indeed. So then we cut to a nude scene where Mike is rolling up on a body shop. He wants to eat under the guise that he wants to get his seats reupholstered. Right, but he's actually there because we find out that's actually where Nacho works. That's right. That's the family business that he works at. Right. You know, and I, I like how they kind of played it off. They kind of gave each other knowing looks of who they are, uh, but neither one of them really broke whatever character they were in at the moment. You know, Mike as the as the uh, you know customer looking for reupholstery, and Nacho as you know the I guess translator mechanic. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's, he's yeah. translating for his dad. Yeah, totally. And and they keep kind of like. Mildly shit talking Mike's car. <laughs> it's too old. <laughs> it's not worth it. And uh, it's kind of it was kind of funny to me. I saw it as it was kind of Mike being a little bit humorous, and you know, from Mike's character to Nacho's character being a little obnoxious mm-hmm. when they're talking about upholstery, and he's just like, "No, I want alligator, <laughs> like, dude. Your car, your car is way too old." And he's like, ah, "It's a lot of sentimental value. I think I want an alligator in this." <laughs> 
<laughs> it's called class, Dave. It's called class. Mike is nothing but class. Because they've already established how flashy of a personality he has. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, the uh, Nacho's father heads, heads in to get a quote. And uh, then they have their little discussion. And what I loved about that is Nacho is just uh, right off the bat. Okay, how'd you find me? And Mike gives him this look like, dude, are you fucking serious? Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like, I'm Mike Armitrout, like, dude. Like, he doesn't even scoff. <laughs> like, he's not even like, Psh! like, he just kind of like looks away as if there's like a crowd of people like, dude, is this motherfucker serious? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, not only that, Albuquerque isn't that big. <laughs> like, well, it's fairly large, but uh, is it? when you run in certain circles, those are small circles. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That, that's a great way to put that. You know, Mike lets Nacho know that Wormhole calls the cops because that little stunt that he pulled breaking into his house, stealing the drugs, and then, you know, just kind of to prove a point and be an asshole, you know, he took the baseball cards as well. <laughs> I don't think he took the drugs. I think, you don't he, think was, he took the drugs? I, I think he was looking for the drugs and took the baseball cards to get something of value and, you know, the, the cash that's missing also. Uh-huh. I think the baseboard thing, it was empty, but that's just the storage area. Or maybe we'll find out that Warmold actually moved the stuff in the storage area, and that's why the markings on the floor look like somebody had pulled out the couch. See, I thought it was Warmold just checking on a supply. Yeah, well, yeah, we're kind of saying the same thing. Yeah. So either way. But I'm a, I'm a, know, I, don't, I don't believe that Nacho took the drugs. I don't think anything has alluded to that, and I think he actually took the cards because the drugs weren't there. Gotcha. Yeah. Just kind of, well, and, and cash. I mean, yeah, and maybe cash. he really did take cash because otherwise why would Wormald even say that? Yeah, that's true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Mike calls it a carrot and stick situation and, um, Nacho takes that as, uh, as Mike's actually threatening his family. And he says, if that's your stick and carrot, you better come with a bigger stick, dude. <laughs> But Mike, uh, you know, reassures him like, no, I'm not here to threaten your family, but I, you know, we have a mutual, you know, we both know somebody and who's not going to be happy about your side trade, Tuco, and uh, he definitely doesn't want to find out about it. So then Mike, you know, offers him a deal. You get the cards back for Wormald, you're going to make $10,000 in cash, plus roughly about $60,000. Yeah, that he, he offers him a genetically modified California-grown super carrot. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? When he when he said uh and he can net roughly sixty thousand dollars, I had no idea that they were actually talking about the pussy wagon. Oh yeah, because- no, that was totally like one of those aha, that's what he meant. Yes. Yeah, see, I, I didn't catch on that because I guess either A, I have no concept of what those things really cost, or B, in real life I'm so unimpressed by people who own Hummers that like <laughs> I can't fathom that somebody would pay sixty thousand dollars towards it. Right. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, that's totally it. So then Ernesto shows up at Chuck's house to grab him and take him back to the law office. And we once again see Chuck's uh, foil line coat. Yep. A couple hours notice. Get everybody to get rid of their cell phones and turn the lights off and whatnot. And uh, we're Chuck's back in business. Yep. But that was just a quick little scene to kind of set up the simultaneous uh, simultaneous um, timeline. At the same time, uh, Wormald is lecturing uh, Nacho to care for the pussy wagon, and that's when we actually figure out that what Mike meant is that he's going to give the car to Nacho to chop up and sell for parts, scrap out. Yeah, that's right. Get that freaking gaudy attention hog off the streets. 
Yeah, and it's so great because Wormold's acting like it's like the greatest vehicle ever, and, and Nacho says it looks like a school bus for 60-year-old pimps. <laughs> <laughs> that was so awesome. Like, yeah, he's like, he's like, you think I'd be caught dead in that thing? <laughs> he starts, like, starts shit-talking him, and just, uh, you know, Mike, he's just kind of over it, diffuses it, and he's just kind of like, come on, can we, can we get this show on the road? Uh, it turns out, you know, Nacho handed back over the cards and man, Wormald is quick at searching through thousands of baseball cards. Well, he knows exactly <laughs> where the high value ones are. They're all in top I guess loaders. it just, it just seemed like such a weird, <laughs> like, it just seemed awkward to me that it was like, Oh, where's this card? Flip, flip, flip. Oh yeah. Whew, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you have a like, detailed manifest. Oh, yeah, I guess that could be a testament to his detailed nature. But yeah, I, me, mean, I mean, obviously, he counted the money every time, you know. He, mm-hmm. he noticed it was 20 short on the first transaction, you know. If, yeah. if, and it's one thing these uh, neurotic-type people have. It's attention to detail about mm-hmm. things they care about, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess that's true. I don't know. It just seemed like a weird plot device to where, like, uh, like he just happened, like, one of the weird coincidences where he just happened to know where the, the exact thing is that the plot needed to move forward. Well, I look at it as, uh, it's developed being how the more, like, that aspect of his personality that really, like, yeah. paranoid and uh, make sure all the mm-hmm. cards are there, you know, it's really expanding on that part of his personality. Yep, solid point, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so he confirms that his cards are there, or at least the high value ones that he's looking for. And, uh, Nacho tells him that their business is concluded. That's it. No more, no more, no more money. That's right. YOLO and your low is up. <laughs> nice. So then we cut back into, uh, the law office, uh, I, I'm presuming is happening all around the same time, you know, simultaneous. Mm-hmm. Uh, storylines going on here and jimmy is talking about how the old people hoard shit so you know if they have important paperwork uh they can use the old people as basically a resource to mine old paperwork for the case yeah those people they smart. don't throw can, anything away yeah that's for damn sure yeah as he says yeah they don't throw anything away and in fact he even goes on to talk about one of his uh one of the clients who has like 15 years worth of records that they can just mine through and dig up and use, uh, in the lawsuit going forward. Uh, but just as he's explaining this, Howard comes into the room and he interrupts because of Chuck's arrival. So to start collecting cell phones, watches, all the typical, um, you know, electronics. Yeah. Yeah. Electronics, essentially. And, uh, this is the first time in a while that Chuck and Jimmy have been in the same room. And it's, it's, uh, Chuck, it, it, to me, I viewed it as that, you know, Jimmy kind of cowered away a little bit because now he's a little intimidated by Chuck being there and Chuck feels this and he's just kind of, you know, puffing his chest out and he's just like, how's it going, Jimmy? Like, Hey, what are you going to do now, dude? I'm right here in your face. Let's see you lawyer now, pal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, which I took as all part of uh, the sabotage, you know, if, if okay, fine, yeah, he's working for this new place and he's holding his own. But you know what? I can I can still trump him. I'll just try to intimidate him. You know, like get in his head a little bit. Like oh look, oh look, who suddenly just decided to show back up at the HHM offices in forever? Oh, and it just so happens to be during our biggest case where my brother, who I don't really respect, is sitting on the other side. Right. You know, that's how that's how I took that. He was he was trying to be a bully, like a big brother, like 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 how's it going, Jimmy? Yeah, like we'll see, we'll see how you really do. Let's see what you yeah, got. And, and at first it works. At first it works. You know, Jimmy, he doesn't, even, first off, he doesn't even say anything to Chuck. 
Mm-hmm. And then he kind of uh, stumbles regaining his thoughts. He kind of has trouble getting what he was saying going again. It was real. It was really awkward for him. But then Kim rubs his thigh. And there then, you go. You know, she's letting him know that they're in this together, Dave. The, they're in this together. He has the support system that he's always wanted. Right. And in typical charismatic man of the people, Jimmy Fasten, he just continues, you know, now that he's, uh, he's emboldened by Kim's presence, you know, she's got his back and he just restarts. He's like, so our clients are our best resource. Plus they have ribbon candy. Everybody gets a laugh and Chuck is completely unimpressed. And then it cuts scene. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So then the meeting adjourns, Chuck kind of beckons Jimmy outside and Jimmy completely unimpressed, asks him, Hey, why are you here? Basically calling him out. Be like, dude, are you trying to be a dick? Like, are you trying to be a fucking asshole? Right. And then, and then Chuck rather smugly just says to bear witness. And they just kind of leave it at that. So just confirming that he he's basically there to, to try to make, to watch Jimmy fail. He yeah. just wants to be a part of it. Well, I don't know if he's necessarily, his goal is for Jimmy to fail, but he's just saying like, I want to see in person, you prove to me that you're a real lawyer. Cause at this point you're not. Right. Either way, yeah, I mean, we we can agree he's being a dick. Yeah, he's totally being a dick. But I'm I'm not so sure that his he has such malicious motivations. Gotcha. Okay. I think he well, has you know, more of I need to find out. Jimmy needs to prove himself to me. Motivations. Gotcha. So uh, then scene cut, uh, and we see that Mike makes a phone call, and he just says, "Are you still morally flexible? Because I have a job for you." <laughs> and he's calling. He's calling Jimmy, and this is where we see the actual meeting between the Warmold, between Warmold and the police. And uh, it's, it goes just like Mike said. Like, they're totally luring him into a false sense of security, acting all buddy-buddy, like, hey, man, hey, we just want to help you. You know, they even said, hey, we're, we're just friends. And Jimmy's just like, yeah, look at us, four friends. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about the... Uh, you know how you know about the cards, how they're missing the cards, and, and Wormald's like, "Oh no, yeah, no, I found them. It's cool." And they're like, "Wait, well, how did you find the cards?" And he says, "Hey, I hired a PI. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about the cards anymore. Like we're good. Forget the case ever happened. Don't sweat it. Uh, I'll just be on my way." But they kind of don't let them off the hook. They kind of keep pushing them, and then uh, Jimmy, uh, much like a parent would to a little kid, just kind of sends them out of the room. <laughs> He's just like, why, "Why don't you go get a?" Why don't you go get us drinks over there in the hallway, like out of the room, <laughs> like down the hall, like over there, little kid. I like that. Like a parent sending this kid out. Cause yeah, totally. He's just, yeah. Right. Like not being mean and yelling at him like, dude, shut up. It was just kind of like, like giving him like a, uh, like a snipe hunt, like something totally right. irrelevant that yeah. like, <laughs> like nobody needs, you know? And, uh, you know, he just follows up with, this is how, this is like a very good glimpse of, you know, saw good men to come. Cause you know, he just follows it up with like. We all have secrets, don't we? And he just kind of like puts the line out there and uh, he frames the whole uh, the whole burglary as a personal dispute. You know, uh, Warmold uh, provides arts, legal art, you know, like making videos of an artistic nature. But he doesn't he doesn't give anything beyond that. He just leaves it artistic nature, of course. You know, the policemen aren't really buying it, but now they're kind of like, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and, and it's Jimmy just Richards, vague no, enough. Right. Yeah. Like, no, no. I mean, it's not like, it's not prostitution, you know, uh, all the, it was a lover's fat, you know, um, <laughs> all they took was videos and cards and uh wormold is he, he's choosing not to press charges. 
So now, like he, so now Jimmy's actually reeling the cops in, right? He's like pulling them in, like concocting this story like, and getting them interested in what he's saying, as opposed to the other way around. So in a, in a way, he's kind of flipped the script, right? right. Yeah. So now the police want to know, like, uh, well, well, then uh, gotta ask what, what what's on the videos, and he's like, well, 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 you know, it's it's not porn. It is fetish videos. Uh, it, it features a, clo- a fully clothed man. Uh, totally legal, you know, um, one, you know, uh, squat cobbler. (laughs) And what I love about that is the police like kind of taken aback and they're confused. And one of them's like, uh, uh, a squat cobbler. And he's like, you know what that is? (laughs) They should just know, you know, the Dutch apple ass, the Hoboken squat cobble. (laughs) The Chicago sunroof. Right. <laughs> I just love the whole, like, what, what is that? He's like, you know what that is. <laughs> like, like, don't, don't insult my intelligence by asking me to explain something so obvious. <laughs> right. Which doesn't even exist. Right. As he, he just sits there and keeps going on with ridiculous names. You know, he's just like, uh, well, he explains that it's a man sits on a pie, uh, wiggling around and world mold provides what they call a crybaby squat where he cries while squatting. <laughs> And the police are starting to buy it because he's like, you got to be shitting me. And he's just like, yeah, pfft, like I'd make that up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Jimmy's kind of got him off the hook, but presumably they asked to see the video because the next time he speaks to Wormold, he says, hey, man, everything is taken care of. Everything is taken care of. There's just uh, one tiny hanging Chad, which really dates this episode. Dave, are you, are you familiar with what a hanging Chad is? The hanging Chad is related to the 2000 election. That's correct. Yeah, when uh, uh, Bush and Gore, when they had to recount all the uh, the votes for the uh, the presidential election, a lot of times they weren't sure if a vote counted if there was a hanging chad. A hanging chad is the little hole punch. Like when you punch a piece of paper, it's that little hole punch. And if it's still stuck, it's a hanging chad. So very, very timely reference. It's no Corky Romano, but it's <laughs> still a pretty good one. <laughs> so... As we close out the episode, Jimmy and Kim are eating uh, pies at her place, you know, and he, he's telling this story. They're probably and eating cobbler. Her, yeah, <laughs> that's true, I guess. Uh, Kim is uh, super impressed by Jimmy's creativity until uh, she finds that, you know, like I never in a million years would I ever thought of that. And he mentions that they... Uh, they had to make a video because he says, hey, you should see, you should see the video. <laughs> you right. know, like he was, you know, I, I forget what actress he compared him to, but he's like, you know, he, like, you know, and on the surface, he's nothing to look at, but you, you know, you stick him in a pie. And once he, once the waterworks start going, he's like an amazing, <laughs> amazing master of this craft. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, uh, Kim is, Kim is quite taken aback. And, you know, she's like, you, you fabricated evidence. And now Jimmy is trying to deny that he did something that it's obvious that he did. He's like, no, no, I didn't use, I didn't, I didn't uh, fabricate evidence. I just made a video. She's like, dude, you, you just falsified evidence to exonerate a client. You could lose, you could lose your bar. And she's pissed. Right. Cause he doesn't think she, of those things when he gets into that mentality because he's just having fun. Right. And, uh, but no, that's completely and utterly illegal. Right. And, and then, uh, you know, she's like, dude, and just, uh, I took it as like, you know, I just by me knowing you, <laughs> like that could get me in some shit 
because, you know, you're making up evidence and she's pissed that he would take such a career risk. And he counters with, uh, you know, like you didn't have such a problem with this kind of thing when we were screwing Ken, the douchebag. Right. Yeah. But she says, no, that's different. That's not the point. And then he just said, what, what is the point? Like, then what, what is the point of all this? Yeah. I think this is, this is where you're starting to see that they draw their lines in different areas. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's Jimmy has a much harder time separating those types of activities, um, you know, law and personal life. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. No, I totally agree because now he's, he's, he's bringing the whole, uh, slipping Jimmy thing into the, into the legal proceedings, so to speak, you know, where as opposed to, but I guess being, but I guess it being a side job, he didn't really see it mm. as a lawyering job. He kind of like it was like Slippy Jimmy with a law degree. Whereas well, she, with Davis and Maine, it's not Slipping Jimmy with a law degree. Right. Well, and she was she even brought that up. Like, well, what if Davis and Maine found that you were taking like off the books work? Right. And he was like, oh, you know, it, like he, he was just like, you know, it, it's just a thing. It's it, it's nothing major. It's just something I did. Don't worry, it's all taken care of. But she, you know, she's genuinely upset about that. And, uh, you know, she just says, I can't ever hear of it ever again. Like meaning I can't hear of you fabricating evidence or like these kind of super shady, uh, practices of yours ever again, as the camera pans out on them eating, uh, pie. You know, it's like, <laughs> Which, it's like when you, it's like the girl that starts dating the reformed alcoholic and then he mm-hmm. comes home drunk for the first time. She thinks she's, she's made an impact on his life. And he's going to give up the booze and he comes home drunk right. and, and it's just like, oh crap. Like I knew yeah, what I, you know what that, deep down, I knew what I was getting myself into, but now it's just manifested itself and I have to deal with it. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> I, I did love, there was a little interaction there where uh, they were talking about how he got the pies and he had to assure her that they were not pies that they used for the videos. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Florence Nightingale. I think once he got into it, <laughs> was squatting on a pie and crying, it was a regular <laughs> Florence Nightingale. But I might be wrong. If anybody out there wants to prove me wrong or correct me, please feel yeah, free I to Yeah, I completely so. forgot. Remember, I have no notes for this episode, so... Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what do you, what do you think overall, Dave? Uh, it, I feel that episode two, it was, a, it was a little more deliberately paced and a lot less things happened. But it set up a lot of good, a lot of good conflicts and plot points going forward. I was gonna say it introduced some layers. It introduced some complications in relationships, mm-hmm. and it's it's setting up to uh, to pursue a lot of different plot lines. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it wasn't like a lot of things got resolved or moved forward. It was just kind of building the foundation of so many different storylines. You know, like Jimmy versus Chuck, Kim versus Jimmy, Mike versus Nacho, Jimmy versus uh, himself. Jimmy versus himself, you know? Well, it's the whole show. The whole show is Jimmy McGill versus himself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and, but it did resolve maybe the warm old nacho situation, but I think that's going to keep going. You, you think you think a warm is going to come back? I think so. I'm not really mm-hmm. positive on how I feel about that at this juncture, but mm-hmm. it seems to be something that can... Uh, Come back around. Gotcha. Okay. Well, what do you think, guys? What do you think out there? Uh, you know, as the time this is going live, you have just finished watching uh, Better Call Saul 
uh, episode two of season two, uh, titled Cobbler. You guys have just seen it, so it's fresher in your mind than it is for Dave and I's. We had the best intentions of recording this actually like a week and a half ago, but just real life kind of got in our way a bit. That so, is correct. What are you guys? What do you guys think about it? Let us know. Definitely hit up Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Check us out at www.itsallgoodman.com. Check out the Nothing Important podcast where we got a lot of great guests coming up. And uh, anything else, Dave? I can promise you that I will be more on point and better next week. (laughs) All right. Well, here's to Dave. uh, Not sucking next week. Dave? Call us idiots. Yeah. Try that again, Dave. You're probably going to call us idiots. You could call us geniuses. Whatever, just call us. (laughs) Nice.